0: This episode is sponsored by The Juice, which collects the best resources for sales and marketing professionals from across the internet onto one platform. In these ad spots, we're featuring some of our favorite B2B creative minds, asking them a very simple question. What does it mean to be a modern marketer? Today's answer comes from Ali Schwanki.
1: When I think of the modern day marketer, three key things come to mind. First, they are outstanding at identifying patterns and drawing insights, and that's more than just being analytical. It's finding a story and taking actions from the data and delivering that to the C-suite in a way that everyone understands and creates impact. Secondly, they are insanely creative, and that's driven by quite a few things, but really the need to stand out having a high degree of empathy, and being a student of the world around them. They're always observing people, behaviors, environments, and that was really a superpower during the pandemic because regardless of your previous experience, no one had a book called How to Market During a Pandemic. Marketers had to think on their feet, but it was less about reacting and more about observing the new habits and behaviors that were emerging as a result of changing conditions. Lastly, modern-day marketers are great leaders who understand the importance of change management in communication, and they can both cast vision and ignite action within their teams. No marketing technology or initiative is going to get anywhere off the ground if there's not people behind it supporting one another.
0: Thank you to Allie and thank you to The Juice. You can get links to follow both right in your show notes or visit thejuicehq.com and you'll find some of Allie's best thinking there. Hey, it's Jay, and uh, before we get started today, I just thought I'd make a quick smoothie, if you don't mind. Something for us creative types to enjoy on a regular basis. Let's see. Of course, we need a little ice. I like to add some chunks of frozen mango. Delicious. A little yogurt for some creaminess. And going to add some scoops of powdered imposter syndrome. I'll add in some pressure to reach millions of people with our work. Some slices of our hero's creative inspiration, which we couldn't possibly emulate in our work, but hey, let's try it anyway. All right, let's see. What else? Uh, What else we got here? How about a bit of bosses and clients jerking us around and really not understanding a thing about the creative process, despite the fact that they seem to control our deadlines and pretty much our overall happiness. A heaping spoonful of comparing ourselves to others, which goes really nicely with a little dash of scrolling social media when we ought to be working. And a nice big ball of anxiety about our abilities and our work and how slow this all seems to be going and how far away our dreams feel. And of course, there's the general state of everything, 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 just everything in the whole world. Oh, and kale, because it's a smoothie. Creating things for a living can feel like a lot. Like we're trying to force down that smoothie full of, well, a lot. But in our mini-series on the show, we're exploring the mini-things, the little things, the tiniest pockets of the created work, small bursts of creation, which have a massive impact on ourselves and our audiences. Because what we want to show is how manageable this can sometimes be. You don't have to do anything big to resonate deeply. So far on the series, we've explored copywriting with writer Margot Aaron and illustration with Haley Weaver. Today, jokes with Matt Buchel. Matt has created very many projects that make me laugh. He's a comedy writer and a musician. Recently, he's written a musical parody about the pandemic for Netflix and worked in-house as a staff writer on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. He recently announced that he was leaving to move on to other projects. But at The Tonight Show, his very first project was writing a song called Broadway's Back for Jimmy Fallon and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yes, that's right. His first project was to write a song about Broadway for possibly the most famous person who writes songs on Broadway. We'll talk about the craft of writing comedy, hear the story about the song that Matt wrote for Matthew McConaughey, as well as his own viral videos that landed him the gig at The Tonight Show. And we'll once again challenge this idea that doing something wildly creative and deeply resonant means making something big. Because creativity is the sum total of lots of little choices, even when you're expected to resonate with millions of people. Just gonna have some of this smoothie now. Oh god, oh, oh, that's awful. I think it's the kale. quirky, it's quaint, it's quick. It's unthinkable. Creators who break from convention to resonate more deeply. (laughs) I'm Jay Aconzo. This is story number three of four in our mini series. And as you may know by now, I have to say it that way, mini series, because it's all about the mini pockets of created work. So it's mini series. You get it. You do. And thank you for tolerating me. Fortunately, most of this episode is not the story of me. It's the story of the one and only Matt Bouchelle. Before he was a joke writing, parody singing man that you're happy to see in your feeds today. He was just a boy standing in front of a girl asking her to please hurry up with the sandwiches because the bosses were getting angry.
2: I was doing TV jobs and kind of like assistant positions. And it was just a nightmare. I was I was a ball of anxiety. I, uh, I I couldn't do anything creative because the whole job was just doing the job. And that's not necessarily... I mean, some people move up the ranks from doing, like, assistant work on TV shows. But, like, I was so bad at being an assistant that it was, like... (laughs) I wasn't doing anything creative. I wasn't good at my job. It was just a constant panic. I mean, I wanted to do a good job, but, like... I hated like trying to order lunch. It was like here's the Lenwich menu. Everyone pick what you want. Oh, oh hold on, they don't have uh turkey today, so can you change like I hated doing that shit. I like I always felt like I was in the way, I was annoying people. Um, happy for the opportunity I had, but yeah, I was not like sure. oh this is it. I'm I'm really killing it. <laughs> <laughs> when I first moved to New York in 2012, I was doing, uh, I did a lot of improv. I was, I was taking classes at UCB. I was performing with like a little group, um, doing stand up occasionally, and then doing other shows. I would hop on. Uh, I worked with a guy, uh, Scott Rogowski. I, he had a, like a little talk show, and I would play in his house band. I think I was like so close, but I was so far from like any success. And I think back then I thought I was close, but I wasn't really making anything I was like pumped about. And then I got the job at Viacom and it was like, oh, I can like sit here and and really work on the stuff I want to work on. And and the job doesn't follow me home, which is essential back then. Like it was my job to physically like drag and drop like 15 second Pepsi ads into the the like day broadcast schedule of like MTV2. I was literally like doing a job that a robot should be doing. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's (laughs) it's crazy that I did that job for two years. (laughs) But but, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, this is it's. I'm going to sound terrible saying this. I, my first job out of college was at Google in the ad sales team, but mm-hmm. I hated it. I, like I loved everything about the company, like great perks, great brand, of course. Totally. I met my wife. But oh. like, as soon as it was time to go back to my desk and do my work, I was just so disheartened. Trying yeah. to like find any creative outlet on the side, writing about <laughs> sports or you know, I created this little buzz, uh, little roundup called the Hornet, which was a ranking of that week's buzzwords at the company, and I would like write little descriptions about which buzzword was kind of getting more popular or whatever it was just I was just looking for weird pockets of my day yeah to procrastinate and also yeah. like scratch a creative itch
2: I understand that I mean I that's why I did love that job and stayed there for two years was because it was so mindless like the work was so just whatever and I could kind of like you could kind of do a whole day's work in like two hours it was one of those kind of bullshit like jobs where you're like okay this is not that crazy
0: But Matt's life over the next few months would start to get crazier, mostly thanks to Twitter, which is the first time in recorded history that the words crazy and Twitter have been connected with each other. Yep. So Matt was working that mindless job, and it gave him a kind of flexibility to create on the side.
2: I, I really started, like, this is going to sound so stupid, but I, I really started, like, upping my, like, Twitter presence, if that makes sense. Like, I was trying to, sure. like, I was trying to write, like, two or three jokes a day, or, like, post two or three jokes a day that I was like, these are really funny. I just, I, I, I feel incredibly fortunate to even be able to do what I do every day, and it all, because it all really came from me just making uh, little videos on my iPhone, you know? Like, I, I the the video editor I still use when i'm like making video i don't make as many videos as i used to but i still use this free thing called like video pad editor that i found on the app store for free <laughs> like like it all came from like unemployment budget 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 like i didn't have any funds or you know backing for any of the things i did i just had ideas that i thought were funny and hoped that other people would like them and so i just that was kind of the genesis of me even getting any notoriety on the internet and then getting this this TV job was just making funny videos and making funny songs and doing that with literally the stuff that teenagers have.
0: Okay, so I want to break down a few of the videos and songs you've posted. And the first one we're going to play is titled How to Write a Coldplay Song. It's just a vertical video, you sitting in a white t-shirt at your piano ceiling fan spinning overhead and you start out by talking to us directly just to set up your song before you play it. So here's the clip with both of those moments.
2: If you want to write a Coldplay song you have to pick two professions that you don't really hear a lot in day-to-day conversation and you want to start high on the first one and then you want to dip low into the second one and then like a little falsetto part that you can maybe hear at a uh, concert or something and then just do the the second part again.
0: I'll show you what I'm talking about. Yeah, they can the doors, but the matadors and the matadors went away. Oh, yeah, the matadors went away. <laughs> How'd
2: that one come together? Um, I think I was playing that progression and having fun with it, and started singing. And I realized, like, oh, this kind of sounds like it would be, like, a Coldplay song, you know? <laughs> and then I was, like... <laughs> and then I started thinking about, like, I think I was thinking, like, Viva La Vida or one of the songs. And there's, like, there's something where they talk about, like, some crazy job. It's, like, a... Pr- I can't remember what it was. And I was, like... Well, like, I get lucky with all this shit because it's not like I'm doing something very, like, well-researched. I'm, like, oh, is this is this anything? Like, I'm, I'm taking a real leap on one stereotype of Coldplay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm, like, I don't know if this will actually, like, resonate at all. But, um... But yeah, it really just comes from like improvising on the piano to like something. Like, I don't sit down thinking like I need to make a, a TikTok. I don't think I was like waking up thinking like I really got to stick it to Chris Martin. I wasn't. Like, <laughs> there was no. There was no ulterior motive. It was just sort of like a fun thing. And I listening back to that, I'm like, Jesus Christ, what was that voice I was doing? I was like, That's not even like a great. <laughs> it's 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 good. <laughs>
0: All right, this next video of yours, this next song, is one of my all-time favorites from you, and I am far from alone. If you just look at the stats right below the tweet, 25,000 retweets, 100,000 likes, and for the video, 2 million views of the song. And this one is titled, All Musicals Sound Like This To Me. So let's listen to the song, All Musicals Sound Like This To Me. So many songs.
2: They start like this, the guy just kind of talks, but then he sings like this, he yells things like, I was a doctor, and this life is not for me, how could I be so dumb, things like, at the age of 23, and then the chords change up. And he holds a note for a very long time, and it's the old part, but higher. It's just a little bit higher. <laughs> okay, oh, this is all musicals, you know. Like, <laughs> and I think I think this is. I'm not trying to get too into the science of tweets and whatnot, but I do think there's something about like posting something that's like all musicals are this or like this is the only way like if you make like an aggressive statement of like this is the way it is, people are going to be like, well, let me see. There's no way this is how it is. You know, it like kind of makes people, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I feel like that helped a little too, being like, this is how all musicals are. And people are like, he's right. This is how they, even if it's not, it's not a perfect, you know, thing. But, um, but yeah, it really resonated. I don't know. I got really lucky with that. And it made me like want to do more Broadway parody type things. I think I think the theater world is, is very like fanatic. So it's like you do like one funny yes. musical thing and they love to be like, oh my God, that's so funny. Like, you know. He, he's making fun of us. This is so fun. So I like, I have a fondness in my heart for that as, as dumb as it sounds. Cause that was the one that really, <laughs> that that one like launched me into like a different level of people retweeting my stuff and whatnot. What, what do you mean? I, I went to bed, I made that video and it got like a thousand likes that day. And this was back when I had like, I don't know, 800 followers or something. Like I had under a thousand followers. So a thousand likes was like. It was crazy. Like, I remember getting uh, dinner with my girlfriend that night and being like, can you believe this video? Like, we kept looking at my phone. It was so fun. We're like, this is crazy. And then I went to bed that night and I woke up and she saw, like, she, like, pulled it up on Twitter just randomly, like, in bed. We were both still in bed and she was like, she's like, your video has 36,000 likes. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, you mean 3,000. Like, I couldn't, I, I was like, what are you talking about? And then she showed me and it was like, I guess, like, overnight, Mindy Kaling retweeted it. And she has, like, uh, I think, like, a, m- a million plus or something followers. And so, like, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, my God, I'm, like, I'm on people's radar here. I, like, quadrupled my <laughs> follower account, like count in, like, a day. Like, it was one of those moments where I was like, I was like oh, cool, people like what you're doing. Like, it was the first moment, truly, yeah. where I was like... I was like, this is so cool. And it was, I mean, you, you just watch the video. It's literally my girlfriend filming me. <laughs> no edits, just like the dumbest. <laughs> it's not like high quality cinema, but it's like, it was a really validating moment. It made me like really lean into to videos.
0: The video is under 50 seconds, like 48 seconds or something like that. Um, how long does something like that take? Do you remember writing that?
2: Honestly, yeah. It, it's like, I, I probably had my giant legal pad on the piano where I wrote the chords. Um. But then it's, kind of, it's not improvised. Like, I definitely remember doing that and, like, writing it out a little, in my head at least. But, like, yeah, you just kind of do it and you're, like, each time you do I think I probably do it, like, two or three times, and it's, like, each time you just try to, like, say something that's, like, a little more funny. Or, like, you try to, like, up the performance a little to make whoever's filming it laugh, you know? <laughs> I think w- when I, when I try to write jokes, I think the whole point is, like, I'm trying to show something that we all experience like show something relatable or show something that is an observation of the the real world whether it's like the way we talk or or like the way we all like swipe our credit card or like just something very simple and like something you'll go oh i understand what he's saying or oh i get that and with songwriting it's the it's kind of the same thing but with music you're trying to like for me personally i try to write songs that are like you'll hear it and be like oh that kind of reminds me of that other song or oh that feels like like i I want to do stuff that's new and fresh but i also want it to have this feeling of like comfort and you're like oh I understand this this makes me feel like something I, like it makes me feel in the same way that a joke will make you feel like you've been seen I think songs whether it's you know in a bass riff or in a certain melody and a hook you want people to feel like oh that's the kind of song that runs in my head when I'm doing the dishes or something it's all about like making people feel like their thoughts are are not you know they're not alone and what the way they think about stuff
0: that's at the very core of doing things that resonate You reach through the screen and tap someone on the chest and go, you aren't alone. I see you.
2: My number one thing with writing is always shorter and smarter is how I always try to think. I'm like, how can I get to the point of this quicker and how can I get more specific and smarter about like the actual idea, you know, and that's, that's really the one rule I like when I go back and look at things I'm about to like submit or pitch, I'm like, We could probably lose these three lines, and we could probably make that 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 mention where you talk about hot sauce. You could probably say Tabasco just to make it a little more specific and funnier, you know, sharper. Like I just try to make my writing as specific and short as possible, and that's that's the one rule I follow. And the rest is kind of like, you know, just see what happens. There are days where I'm like, I how have I ever been funny? Like there are definitely days where you're like, I've never have I ever written a joke? Like what is a joke? Like you you could really lose your mind trying to like overanalyze what makes something funny or how it works. Like, all my best stuff has been the stuff I don't think about too much. If I, like, spend too much time working on a video, I'm like, this is going to (laughs) bomb. Like, if if I have an idea that's funny and original and I like it, if I can get it out in less than, like, 30 minutes of work, I'm like, this is probably going to be successful.
0: How did you end up at The Tonight Show, going from what we just dissected together to, um, It's a a, a very
2: valid question.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Still trying to parse it. Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) Scientists are looking into this. Uh, no, I I was doing stuff online, especially during the pandemic, because I was I was not working and I was on unemployment and I was really trying to make ends meet. So I was doing like freelance gigs here and there, but I was doing enough like musical stuff online that someone I'm just gonna shout him out, Spencer Somers, if he ever listens to this, really changed my life. He he DM'd me. He worked at Netflix and he DM'd me and asked me if I want to write a song for Netflix for like a year end commercial thing and uh obviously i said yes i got like my agents involved and stuff and it paid me more money than i've ever gotten paid for anything and long story short they asked me to be in the video and like perform the song i wrote and i got to fly out to la for a week and and make this thing and it was such a massive like project for me i've never done anything on that scale with my stuff and i fully wrote the song fully performed it uh and then, like, three months after that came out, the showrunner at The Tonight Show uh, reached out to me and, and specifically mentioned that video and was like, we would love to have someone on the show that, like, kind of can do this stuff. It was, like, a big musical number, I should say. It was, like, a big, like, Broadway-type song. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and within a week... I mean, I had submitted a packet to The Tonight Show, so they found my old packet, and that video really boosted their interest in me. And, and within a week after that first... Contact from them. I was meeting Jimmy, and then I was working the day after on this on this wow, really big fast. It moved very quickly. I really didn't have time to even process it. It was like it was kind of wild. The day I got the job, in the same phone call where they told me I got the job, they uh, they were like, "Can you start working tomorrow on this 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 Broadway song we want to do with Lin Manuel Miranda?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to go back to that instant uh reaction, maybe, or the the, the DM you said from the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, on Fallon's show, where were you and what was going through your head or, and or chest and or gut? <laughs>
2: um, I was getting pizza at mama's Two uh, on 105th and Broadway. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was sitting there and I literally looked at it and forwarded it to my like people and was like, what do you think about this? Cause like I had submitted in the past and never heard anything. So I was kind of like, I'm happy to submit again, but in my head I was like, I, I deal with a little bit of imposter syndrome. So I'm kind of like, do they actually want me to work there? Like, I was in my head thinking, like, okay, so I need to write a packet tonight. Like, I was kind of like, I don't know if this is this is legit. And uh, but I was like, I was curious. I was like, oh my god, yeah, I've got, I'm not doing anything. Like, I would love to work there. Like, I, I just didn't know how serious I should take it at first. And then they, my people were like, you should reach out. Like, you should re- let them know you're interested and see what happens. And sure enough, it was like it was better than I could have imagined. So mm. it was like, oh, this is this is kind of exactly what I want to do, and it, it felt really right. So. Yeah, it was it was just crazy though. Yeah, the how, it was really about like how fast it all moved that I was not expecting, and that was what really threw me. <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like, like it was off to the races. I, I was, uh, it all worked out really well, but it was definitely looking back on the time, it was it was intense. I was like, "Holy crap!" Like we're we're really going from like. What should I do today to oh I know exactly what I have to do today. <laughs> like I need to I need to write a song for the like the most Tony winning dude in the world. Like it was crazy. Yeah, it was like my life changed literally overnight. Literally overnight. I'm the Joker. I cause mischief around town. Every Gotham needs a Batman. But is there room for a clown? Thank you. My name is Matt Bouchel. I'm based in New York, New York. Uh, You can reach out to my reps. Thank you.
0: I just want to help listeners place like what you actually work on. Cause it's one thing to say, like I'm a writer for this show. It's another thing to understand like, well, what are you actually writing? Right. Are you writing this whole song? Are you collaborating in some way? So can you just like help us picture like what specifically are you doing?
2: I appreciate you asking a question like this because that's one thing that really frustrates me when I would listen to like writers talk about stuff like, yeah, we all just made this thing. It's like, well, what did you do? Like who, like what, yes. what did it look like? How did it work?
0: To help illustrate what it is that a writer for a show like The Tonight Show does, Matt is going to talk about a project that he created for Jimmy Fallon and Matthew McConaughey. But I can't legally play you this song. It's called This Christmas Will Be Different. It was all about how after two years of canceling holiday visits with families and friends due to COVID, this Christmas will be, uh, different.
2: So this one was a situation where the head writer and the showrunner reached out to me and said that there was an interest in, in like a big Christmas song. It wasn't my original idea. Someone else kind of came up with it, and I'm not even sure who, but I think one of them, and they were like, you know, there's an interest in doing a song about how this, this year Christmas will be a little different. We'll actually be able to like be in person this year. You know, fingers crossed. And uh, So we want to make a big number about that, and McConaughey wants to do it with Jimmy. So the whole thing was kind of like shocking because I was like Matthew McConaughey wants to sing it like a Christmas like I was kind of like huh wild and they (laughs) wanted to be like upbeat fun and they knew it was going to be a big uh, endeavor because it was going to be a pre-tape music video that leads into a live performance of like a Christmas classic you know with the with the roots playing and whatnot so um, I was in charge of writing the uh, the original song and I had kind of proven myself with some other songs there so they were they came to me for that and it was like but the way the thing, things work at the show is sometimes they're like, you'll get that text at eight in the morning and it's like, do you think you could have a demo by like end of day? And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta <laughs> you just got to go. You, you just got to go, go, go all the time. And But I love that kind of challenge. I love, I like, like I said, it's like that don't overthink it sort of thing. I was like, I just have to come up with a, a banger of a Christmas song in, in the next 12 hours. So I worked on my piano and I wrote, I wrote a track. I stepped away from it, went back to it, stepped away, went back, did my other stuff for the day and... I'm using voice memos on my phone. Nothing fancy. You know, I'm not like tracking it, tracking it. I'm just like, I'm just at my piano, the piano you saw in that Broadway video uh, with my phone on the little music stand, just kind of like playing, writing, playing, writing, getting, getting a semblance of a hook. I have like a chorus I like, and I'm like, okay, we can return to that. You know, the pieces start to come together. I have a verse that I like. For me with songs, it's always like trying to get the structure. It's like, if you have a hook that's really catchy and fun that like you'll keep singing after you're done working on it, that's like a good sign and then everything else it's like well how can we pack as many specific jokes into this about you know christmas tropes how like covid tropes things like that and uh yeah it all started to come together in a nice way and even when i delivered that first demo i knew it wasn't like i was like obviously they're gonna have like notes there's always ways to punch these things up but for the most part they really liked that first track which was a blessing because i was like oh i don't have to redo the song i just need to like you know beef up some of these lyrics and move some things around to make it a little faster and blah 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 and uh after I did that demo, before Jimmy even saw it, it's like I worked with this guy, uh, John McDonald at the show he's a genius, and he he like did all the arrangements and orchestrations to make it sound uh I, I guess just orchestrations to make it sound like more of like a big you know classic Christmas song, whereas mine was just me playing piano and singing. so we had this really beautiful track to send and and, and Jimmy liked it, and it was kind of like good to print One thing I do, which really helps a lot. In my writing process i'm 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 a big runner and when i run i don't i don't bring my phone or anything i'm just kind of out there in the woods just running around (laughs) and uh i uh i was working on the song and i do remember i was like you just got to step away like you're close but you got to step away and i went for like uh i I was out for like a half hour or so in riverside park and and the whole time i'm in the park i'm singing the song in my head you know what i mean i'm just like playing with it and coming up with little things and you come back and you got a plethora of ideas you can attack it differently and that night I was able to like really wrap it up in a nice way. But if I kept beating myself to death at the piano, it was probably yes. just going to be worse and worse and worse. So it, it was helpful to step away. I do remember doing that and coming back and being like, oh, now you know what to do.
0: I'm so glad you said that because yeah. I do think, you know, what's missing and when people describe their creative processes is the gap time uh-huh. is the stuff where they're yeah marinating on it proactively, but without a screen like you do when you run or uh-huh. not even thinking about it. Just like walking the dog, thinking about, whatever my day what i'm seeing sports and like that doesn't get brought up when people have to like retroactively try and make sense of how they made something because so much of it is gut feel that you know they're only kind of picking up on the big you know obvious things but you know for example the show the episodes i can i can almost like put an x-ray lens over the episode feed and be like these are the good ones Uh and there's almost a one-to-one correspondence with And those are also the ones I had time to imagine and daydream about Ah. and everything else. I was just too crunched and I just had to react. And like, hopefully the more I react, the more muscle memory I build, Mm -hmm. the better the reactive episodes get, but they're still not going to touch when I have time to go and step away. Yeah. Um, So I'm so glad you brought that part up because it's just, it's not something people recognize about that process.
2: Yeah. You don't always have time too in my work to do that. Uh, Sometimes it's like, well, we got to get these jokes in or we got to get this thing. Like you don't really have time to always do that. So like, when you can yeah. when you can buy yourself a moment like that, it is really uh helpful. I find I mean it, sometimes it feels like procrastinating, sometimes it feels like like you lost, you know you're like oh, i I let the the work beat me i'm i'm step I'm like scared to finish it, but like other times you come back so refreshed and rejuvenated and I don't know it's just it because it, it can be daunting. I mean, like I've been doing this for a while, like just writing in general, but like you still have to you still have to always get over like. A little hump when you're doing anything especially like songs like this where you're like no one's gonna do it I have to do it and you always have to get over that little adjustment of like sure I've got a hook that I like but now what sure I've got a first verse but now like <laughs> you just have to it's like <laughs> I know it's like this is what happens when you're making like you know art and entertainment and stuff but it's like sometimes you're like man can someone just fill in this other part for it? like I don't know what to do th- like you just, <laughs> it is exhausting sometimes and you just have to keep pushing through whether that's taking a break to ease your mind or right. like writing out a thousand words that you can associate with this thing or whatever it is that helps you
0: we're gonna do one more of matt's videos before we get back to the interview with matt this is the beach boys manager when they showed him kokomo the beach boys manager when they showed him kokomo
2: all right, Beach Boys. Excited to hear the new single, "Lay It On Me." Let's get into it. Fun. I'm gonna stop you right there. That's four beaches, guys. Just no, no. I think it's fine, but that's four. That's four beaches in the first four seconds, and that's a little, um, it's it's a little beach forward. Be, it, I think we can all agree, right? I, even for you guys, I just don't want people to think we're we're too on the nose, but um. No, 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 I'll keep. No, I like the groove. Let's let's keep listening. Let's keep listening. Five, six. Seven beaches, seven beaches in the first ten seconds. No, I'm not. No, I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you should write songs about mountains. No, I'm not. I know you're not the Mountain Boys. That's not helpful. Come on. Uh, I I just think I, we've done the surfing thing, and now we're just doing a song where we're listing islands. I think. People might catch on. I'm just saying it feels a little... No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'll I'll give it a listen. We can... Let's do the verse. Let's hear the verse.
0: I mean... (laughs) Uh, I hope you liked it. I, I, I don't really care if you did. That one was for me. All right, let's get back to the interview. I've talked to enough creative people who occupy jobs that the majority of their even their own networks would look at and be like, Bah, that's an awesome job. Like, you must be so exciting. And but eventually, I think no matter what you do for a living creatively, There's moments, if not the majority of moments, where you kind of become like the animals in the Flintstones that look to camera and they go, eh, it's a living, (laughs) right? It's like, it kind of all eventually retreats there at some point. You maybe have to rejuvenate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love those moments. But you have to like rejuvenate an appreciation for it or a feeling of awe, uh, you know, or like shaking your head and like, I can't believe I'm doing this. So I'm wondering, you were, I think, six months into the job? when you wrote this something about that that, yeah were you still new enough where you were like wait a second I'm basically telling somebody two people who have been in show business way longer than me Jimmy Fallon and Matthew McConaughey I'm basically writing instructions to tell them what to do did that thought cross your mind or you're just like this is my job now
2: uh you know it's a real mix of both it's like if you don't have the attitude of like this is my job then you're not going to be good at it you know you have to be like this is a job and this is the work like they're paying me you know really well to do this I need to do this but like It's like, I'd be lying if I didn't say like every day, I'm like, oh my God, it's crazy I get to do this. Like it is, it's, it's never going to be lost on me, like how fun it is to be in a position like that. And sure, like it's stressful like any other job or it's like hard work some weeks compared to others, but like, it's crazy, man. I mean, I get, I get so many cool opportunities. Like last night I, I watched Pusha T perform one of his new songs in the studio. Like you just get these little things every single day I'm exposed to so much, whether it's a musical performance or getting to work with like a really funny writer or getting to work with like a funny actor it's so crazy because I don't really come from a family who's ever even come close to working in show business. And it's like, it's, it's cool. It is cool. And it's like, you walk into an office every day where people are taking selfies outside the, the show you work on. It's not lost. on I me mean. yeah. then you get put on these like McConaughey songs, like these big moments, like just, just fucking love every second of it. Cause yeah, it, again, it's going to be a huge lift. It's going to be difficult, but like it's, it's, it's days on never again. Like I'll never forget when we shot the music video portion of it, which was the original song component and, like, helping Matthew McConaughey, like, he would look to me between takes and be like, how's that part go? Because he had to, like, lip sync it, you know? And I was like, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, your mama and your father. I would, like, kind of, like, sing it back to him. I was like, this is great. And you don't have a moment. In that moment, you're not thinking, like, I'm helping Matthew McConaughey sing. You're just doing it because it is the job. Right. But then you, then you get home that night and you're like that was fucking nuts. Like, why was I doing that? Like, why was I, silly Matt that, you know, makes TikToks? It it is crazy. You think of, you have to start thinking of yourself and your position a little differently because it is like a lot of pressure but also a lot of like respect and like sometimes you still think of yourself as like, yeah, like college age Matt or high school age Matt. And you're like, no, you're you're, you're the guy who's working on this thing and, you know, it's a big deal. You get pulled so many different ways and it's hard to take a moment to reflect on like how exciting it really is.
0: Right, because... You have another show to do right away, almost. You know, the speed of the show must prevent you from reflecting much.
2: That's the big joke of the show, too, is, like, you don't really have a lot of time to do it because it's like, well, we have to put on another show tomorrow, you know? And it's like, I I still remember walking out of the studio after the the Christmas thing went, and it went so well. It was such a celebration. It ended with a live performance of uh, Baby, Please Come Home, Christmas, the Darling Love song. And it was a huge... Like finale, the Heim uh, sisters sang, uh, Jimmy, Matthew, the Roots, all these like extras danced in the hall, in the stair. It was just a big celebratory thing. It was, it was beautiful. Confetti, snowflake. You know, it was just like this really fun moment. And then it ended, and everyone was just like hugging each other, so happy. And I left the studio to go back to my desk, and I like checked my phone, and it was like, yeah, you got to submit some jokes for this segment tomorrow. You got to submit. No, it's like, yep, another day. Like it's like this huge thing, and it's like. That's the reality is like, yeah, it's, it is it is good to like stop and celebrate like in those moments because like I left the student, and I went right back to work and like it never happened. You know, it's like this crazy feeling of like, wow, all that work and it's just, and now it's done and I'll see you later. Like, but that's the nature of, of these jobs, which I love. There's a very like Zen uh, energy to it of like, if the show didn't go well that day or you felt like you didn't really get a lot on or you just weren't, you just felt like you were really not in a good creative space. You got a whole nother chance to do it tomorrow, you know?
0: As Anthony Bourdain said, I think I like making things, whether it's a TV show, a story. I like the process of putting these pieces and elements together. Learning to like something so temporary, so fleeting, and having one tiny golden moment where you say, hey, that's, that's pretty good. Now this is me again, and I don't know about you, but I've never created anything big just collections of lots and lots of little moments going hey that was pretty good and even if it wasn't if you're doing this stuff right you get another chance to do it tomorrow big thank you to matt Bouchelle for coming on the show you should explore all of his hilarious work by following him on twitter or instagram or tiktok or you can listen to this very song from matt and other songs in the album i felt insane over on spotify under the artist name bushell b-o-o-s-h-e-l-l Bouchelle. This episode was written, edited, scored, and hosted by me, Jay Akunzo, with production support from Alana Nevins. If you had any thoughts or questions on this episode, this show, or my work overall, email me, jay at unthinkablemedia.com. I'm also at Jay Acunzo on Twitter. And one final thing, you can get one-on-one coaching and consulting directly from me, working alongside you on the most important pieces of your brand or projects through a blend of live one-on-one calls and private texts. It's like having me in your back pocket as a creativity consultant. Visit jayakonzo.com and click coaching to learn more. And if you're not ready yet, no worries. The next best thing is to subscribe to my newsletter completely for free while you're there. That's all at jayakonzo.com. I'm back soon with a brand new episode of the show. Until then, keep making what matters. See ya. Thank you once again to our sponsor, The Juice. They're like Spotify for B2B content. I think somewhere along the way, marketing organizations and even individuals who create content for other marketers started to lose sight of the fact that the job is to help educate your audience. They stopped putting the help first and started to over-engineer some kind of lead, click, placement on Google search. You get it. The Juice believes in tearing that old system down and rebuilding B2B marketing to be what it should be for, which is learning great ideas and great resources. So if you are in marketing today to find some of the best and smartest thinking about your craft, visit thejuicehq.com, sign up for free and get lots of great resources from some of the brightest minds in your field right now. That's thejuicehq.com.